Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the River Community Church podcast. If you want more information about the church or things that are going on, you can visit therivercc.com or you can check out our app at app.therivercc.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Steve Taboo. Okay, so some people get excited about the Super Bowl, right? Some people get excited about the 4th of July and all the fireworks. Uh, of course, in Cookville, we get excited about the demolition derby at the fairgrounds. And don't, don't you pretend like you weren't there. I saw like half our church there for that thing. But in the church, we get excited about Easter. So all at once, let's just give him a rousing clap and celebration for who he is. I tell you, when the Lord captured my heart, he changed everything about me, and I just hadn't gotten over it yet, and I hope I never do. He, he changes us from the inside out. He loves us with a love that's everlasting. He changes the way we see life and everything about life. He makes us new, and I'm so grateful for that. You know, God created all of us with a soul. We're not just physical, like so many people want you to think. We're not just physical and mental, as so many people want us to think. He put inside of every person here today a soul that cries out for him, a soul that seeks him. And when we don't feel that, when we don't engage him, there's a part of us that's always hungry. I loved what, what uh, Adorito said in his testimony. It's like God was speaking to me about baptism, and everywhere I went, it was baptism. I told him, I said, now, hey, when it's going to be paper, plastic, now they'll say, have, have a good day, right? But when the Lord is speaking to you, he draws you. And it may not be verbally. I tell people all the time, I have yet to hear the audible voice of God. But I hear the Lord speaking to me every day in my prayer time as I'm willing to listen through the Word of God, sometimes through friends as they share nuggets. A friend of mine sent a uh, text to me this morning, and he was talking about a a professor in in Christian faith at Yale, and he said on his dying dying bed, his final words were that if if the resurrection of Christ is true, it's worth everything. If the resurrection of Christ is not true, we have nothing. You think about it, it's so, so true, right? This weekend, we celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ didn't just die and stay in the grave, but he rose from the grave, took our sins and put them on the cross that you and I might have a different life than we ever imagined. So, you got your Bibles. We're going to look in the book of Luke. I want you to know today what Jesus himself said is the reason that he came. I want you to hear his words as he's quoting Isaiah 61, why he came, what his purpose is. If you got your Bibles, we're in Luke chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, that's fine. There's a burgundy Bible in the seats in front of you. You can pull those out. And if you don't have a Bible or if you don't have one in the translation that we read from, New Living Translation, take that thing home with you because we want everybody to have one, okay? 
And if you open that one up, we're on page 854 of the Burgundy Bible. Now, as we go there, what you'll see is that uh, this is Jesus beginning his ministry. Uh, Jesus has been baptized. He's uh, been tempted. And now he's rolling out the vision for his ministry. And so we're going to pick up at Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 14. It says this. Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. Let me just pause there. So what's going on? Each local town has their own little synagogue, kind of like their local church, for the, but it was what's, where the Jews would worship. And when he would go there, they would invite him to speak sometimes, and they handed him a, a, a scroll. Now understand, we're so blessed to have the Bible, like right here in this one little book, compared to what they had. They had these huge scrolls that they had to pull out. They only kept them on location, okay, at the synagogue. And so they hand him the scroll of Isaiah, and uh, here's where we're at. It says, when he came to the villa, oh, excuse me, verse 17, the scroll of Isaiah, the prophet, was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released and that the blind will see that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Jesus, he rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All the eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. The scripture you just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Let's pray. Lord, there's a lot of folks that have come today that perhaps are in Brittany's situation where they made a decision for you early on, but their faith has just been somewhat dormant. I pray that today, Lord, you just light them on fire, God. You would just pour your love all over them in such a way they walk out of here just excited to tell others about you. There are others, Lord, who like Adorito, Lord, they've been seeking I pray today that they would find. And then, Lord, there are those that are here and they come every week and they love you. And I pray that you give them an extra blessing of your favor that they'd walk out of here just refreshed, excited about today, and excited about what you have in their future. We pray you speak to all of us, God. And Lord, there are those that are here that they have yet to, to acknowledge you as Savior and King. I pray, God, that you draw them by your kindness and that your Holy Spirit would speak to their soul today, God, that it would be undeniable that you are speaking to them. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen. As I was praying that, I was reminded of Somebody that came to me like 17 years ago after I preached a sermon about marriage and I had this man come to me I'd never met before and he literally got like right in my face and he's like, she called you, didn't she? 
I was like, what? My wife. He said, we had an argument about that last night, and she called you on the phone last night, didn't she? That's why you preach that. I was like, sir, I said, we've had this sermon series planned for months, and honestly, I don't even know who you are. And he said, no. She called me. We're going to talk about this on the way home. And I was like, sir, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart. I said, that's, what it, that's how he works. He's like, no. And he stomped off. Never saw him again. Listen, if I'm preaching today, and as I, I, I am, I will be preaching. Okay. As I'm preaching today, if you feel like, hey, that guy's talking to me, it's because the Holy Spirit's talking to you. And he's drawing you. And he's speaking to your soul. Saying today's the day, whether you're here or whether you're online. Whether you're Janice and Atoka or whether you're uh, our fellowship in Central Asia, whether you're in, in Washington State or wherever you're at, you know, God can speak and he wants to speak. If you got your Bibles, we're in Luke 4, as I said, and we're going to start, if you have your listening guide, we're at point number one, which is Jesus came to bring people good news. Verse says, the spirit is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Now, you got to understand, the time that Jesus was living in was a hard season. I know we think we're living in a hard season today, and there are hard things about today. COVID was a hard season. The war we're experiencing at this time is a hard season. The traffic on Willow at 4 o'clock in Cookville is a hard season. I know that because more people complained about that to me this week than they did about the war or even the price of gas. So I know the problem's getting real. <laughs> but here's the thing. At the time of Christ, it was a hard season as well. Slavery was everywhere. The Roman powers had complete authority over all the people. And you either bowed to their power or you wound up on a cross. And if you tried to rise against them, they literally would come in and they would take everybody that tried to rise against them and they would put them on a cross and they would crucify them. Jesus wasn't the only one crucified. It was a common tool of torture by the Roman Empire. And you could go into the streets of some cities where they had tried to rise against the Roman Empire and you could see them Nailed to crosses, still alive, if you can picture the brutality of that. Begging for help, but no one would dare, no matter how much they loved them, because they knew their fate would be twice as bad. We think immorality is a problem, and it is. But in that culture, pedophilia was acceptable. In that culture, you would go into a temple to have a pagan worship and part of your pagan worship, they had temple prostitutes. We know that because the writers of the New Testament preached against that level of sexual immorality. And yet in all that time, you know what? Jesus never preached against Caesar, did he? Do you notice that? Throughout the whole New Testament, you see, Jesus wasn't focused on the kingdom of earth or the kingdom of the Roman Empire, he was focused on the kingdom of God. 
and his plan was to bring good news to all. And everybody was poor except those who had the power. So when he says he comes to bring good news to the poor, he's talking about everybody in this room right now. He came to bring us good news. Now, if you look at John 3, you realize that that's pretty amazing because in, in John 3, we have, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And then 17 is, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might have life. That's what he came to bring us. So, so I love preaching on Easter because this is the good news. This is better than your team winning the Super Bowl. This is better than the demolition derby being two nights at the fairgrounds. This is the good news that says your old is gone and the new has come. And I, listen, I got enough old for all of us and I'm glad it's gone. And I'm glad the new has come. I want to challenge you today to open your heart as we're speaking to the good news that God wants to speak into your heart to be prepared, because the second thing is Jesus came to set people free. Verse 18, he says, he has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. Free from what? Free from sin. You see, we don't realize it, but sin literally chains us. It changes the way we think. It changes the way we respond to people. It changes us. Right before this, Jesus is tempted with lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And I would say in this room, all of us are tempted at least by one of those three, if not all the above, right? And when you walk into that sin and you stay there, it chains you. It affects the way you relate to other people. Listen, if your sin is envy, and every time you see the perfect family on Facebook, it wrecks you, and you think that you are less of a mom or a dad. Am I right? If your sin is pride, then every time you see other people that are doing less than you, you think, if only they could just be me, it'd be lucky them. See, sin affects all those around us. And that's why Jesus came to set us free. That we would not be bound by that sin, but we would be set free to worship him, to love him, to love our fellow man, and to impact this world. But so many times, we, first of all, what we're trying to do in our culture today is deny that there's even sin. Deny that anything's wrong at all anymore. And yet in our heart of hearts, in our soul, we know that's not true. Am I right? We know it's not true. But if we could just push it away and pretend like it doesn't exist, then we don't have to deal with how that greed is affecting our whole family, how our materialism is destroying our lives and we're chasing after something that can never be filled because the thing that our soul desires is a relationship with God. Not a bigger house, not more money, but that relationship with God. And so he came to proclaim that captives will be released. John chapter 8, verse 34 through 36, 
he says this. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. So it's not just me. It's not just one of you. All of us that sin are a slave to sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is a part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. Some of you need to underline that today because some of you are still living in the guilt and the shame of the past of what you've done and Christ has set you free. And you keep going back because you keep listening to the devil saying, well, that's who you are. You're nothing but of this. You're nothing but of that. When Christ sets you free, you are free indeed. It doesn't mean you won't be tempted. Jesus was tempted. Just one chapter earlier, Jesus is tempted. So you will be tempted, but you are free from the sins of your past. When you give your life to him, you are forgiven. And I'm grateful. So I just ask you today, what sin does God need to set you free from? Listen, preachers deal with sin just like everybody else. I was preparing this message, and the Lord reminded me of my sin of pride. You know, from the day we moved here, we were praying, Lord, give us a spiritual awakening. Lord, let, let Cookville be the, the spiritual epicenter of the whole world, Lord. Let, let you do something so amazing here that the whole world will be effective. And, and man, we've seen so many things that God has done but I was praying that about, I don't know, 12, 13 years ago. And as I was praying, I feel like the Spirit of God said, but what if it's not you? And what if it's not the river? And I was like, well, that would stink. That's not fair. I'm praying for this God. And the Lord's like, yeah, so am I. And the Lord really spoke to me about the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of the river. The kingdom of God versus any one church. And really began to call other pastors together to pray and say, what, what if all of our churches were healthy? What if we were all seeking the heart of God? And what if God just blessed every church? That's what he wants to do. That all church might be on fire for the Lord. And so... I had to repent of my pride. What do you need to repent of? What is it in your life that, let, let's just be honest, it, it hounds you, and maybe you get victory over it now and then, but it hounds you. I want you to know God came to set you free, whatever it may be. Well, the third thing is really fun. It says, Jesus came to proclaim the Lord's favor. Matthew 7 tells us if we, if we ask We'll receive. If we seek, we'll find. If we knock, the door will be open to us. You see, God is an amazing, loving, heavenly Father. And He says to us, Call your needs out before me, bring them to me. And that means everybody in this room, He wants you to pray and say, Lord, I need this. Lord, please give me victory in this area. Lord, please provide for my family for this. Lord, I'm losing my job. I need to know. I just walked a guy in our small group through a job loss. And, and the whole way, he's like, you know what? I know God's got this. I know God's got this. He called me this week. And he walked through it with integrity and prayer and character. He called me this week and said, hey, guess what? I said, what? He said, man, I landed a new job. God gave me a new job. I know this is what he wants. And he was so excited. He's going to get to be home with his family more. He's going to actually pay more. He's like, man, 
God is so good. Sometimes we, we settle for what we can do on our own power. I want to challenge you to ask, seek, and try to, try to be the one that's not afraid to call out to God for whatever big things he wants to do. Uh, sometimes as a preacher, we got to learn those lessons too. Uh, one of my daughters came to me and said she wanted to go to college at a private Baptist college and I, to study nursing. And I was like, um, I can do the math. And Tennessee Tech has a great nursing program for $40,000 in four years. And that school has a great nursing program for $180,000 in four years. Yep, don't have to pray about that one, Tennessee Tech. It's like, I, I know I have been divinely inspired to know finances, and I'm just telling you, <laughs> that doesn't add up. So I literally, in my dad way, said, so unless you can show me that God told you to go to that school, it's going to be Tennessee Tech. Next day, she showed up with a two-page paper she'd written on how God was moving in her heart to go to that school. And then, of course, she proceeds to remind me that I say all the time, where God guides, God provides, which I'm like, quit preaching my words back to me. <laughs> Don't you hate it when your kids do that? They remind you what you said, right? And I was like, yes, that's right. You're so right. And the Lord has been good. And uh, I mean, to her credit, she's worked hard. She like sells her plasma and like her, all that kind of stuff. I mean, hey, I, I did that in seminary. It's like, I went to stand for 400 bucks for 24 hours. They shoot the stuff in your arm and they knock you out and you wake up 24 hours later with like a third arm or something. And, and, but hey, you can pay for school that way. Had no, no effects uh, at all. <clears throat> anyway, so, so God was doing that. And so we got to the semester. She's like, I need this much money. And, and uh, we figured it up from what she had earned and selling her car that she was going to be right at $1,500 left. And uh, she's like, well, I can take a loan. I said, I know you can, but let's pray and let's, let's ask. You know, we're declaring the Lord's favor. Let's ask. Well, we have not because we ask not. Let's really call this one out before the Lord. And so we prayed, and, and uh, about five or six days later, she called me up, and she said, Dad, Dad, Dr. Pepper. I'm like, yes, I like Dr. Pepper. I'm a doctor, that's my favorite drink. I'm like, Dr. Pepper? She's like, no, no, Dr. Pepper. She said, they had this, this uh, scholarship thing on the table at our school where you text this number into Dr. Pepper and you can win a, a partial scholarship or a, a prize. And she said, I won. I was like, that's awesome. She said, I won the grand prize. I was like, that's awesome. She said, $1,500. I was like, go God. And here's the exciting part. That's what she needed. And I thought, God could have blessed us with the money way in advance, but she would not have learned that God is her provider and not her dad. Listen, you may want God to give you all of this at once, but if he gives you all of it at once, you may miss the amazing lessons he wants to teach you along the way by giving you a step by step by step by step. You may be praying for that special someone that he's going to give you, but he's saying, listen, until you get here yourself, I'm not ready to give you this person. You may be praying for God to rescue you from this, this one thing, and, and it's going to require all this, and he's going to give you the next step, and he's going to show you 
And he's waiting for you to take that next step. But here's what I want you to know. God's favor has been announced. And we can walk in his favor or we can walk in our failures. We can walk in believing that God's got something for us or we can look back in the rearview mirror and think, okay, there's nothing he can do through me. I just want to challenge you today on this Easter Sunday to call out and believe God for the impossible. To believe that he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or imagine. And then the last thing is number four there. Jesus came to fulfill prophecies over a thousand years old. This is what's amazing. In the Bible, there are legit, historian agrees, agreed upon fact that these prophecies were made a thousand years earlier. Now, they may not agree that Jesus filled them. They may not agree that it's supernatural, but these prophecies were made over a thousand years, some of them. Isaiah, over 800 years before Jesus walked the earth, the prophecies were made. And they were made that Jesus would come, the Messiah would come, and that he would proclaim the good news to mankind. Sometimes that's hard to receive. Sometimes our station in the world, our flesh, sometimes it's just hard to take that leap of faith to follow. And uh, we've watched this series as a family called The Chosen. And there's a great clip of a religious leader named Nicodemus and his, his wrestling match he has trying to decide, is he going to follow Jesus? We want to show you that clip and have you wrestle with the same question. The Eastern Slums. Hmm. Many wandering preachers have succeeded in gathering crowds with their rhetoric and fiery tone. I've heard a few of them over the years myself. So you know the type. Mm -hmm. But I have never heard anyone tell a paralytic to get up and walk, much less it actually happened. So what is your conclusion? I believe you are not Acting alone. No one can do these signs you do without having God in him. Only someone who has come from God. And how is that belief going over in the synagogue? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why we are here at this hour. What else? you come here to show us a kingdom that is what our rulers are worried about no not that kind then what a sort of kingdom that a person cannot see unless he is born again born again yes you mean like a new creature a conversion from gentile to jewish no no, that's not what I'm talking about. Then what is born again? <laughs> I hope you don't mean return to the womb, because that would be a problem for me. My mother, may she rest in peace, is dead. Truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. 
That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. That part of you, that, is what must be reborn to new life. How can these things be? Ah, a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things, huh? I'm trying, Rabbi. I know. I know. Do you hear this? What? Listen. What do you hear? The wind. How do you know it's the wind? Because I can feel it. I hear its sound. Do you know where it comes from? No. Do you know where it's going? No. That's what it is to be born again of the spirit. The spirit may work in a way that is a mystery to you. And while you cannot see the spirit, you can recognize his effect. Mind is consumed with thoughts of what a stir these words would cause among the teachers of the law. Yes, and I do not expect otherwise. I speak of what I know and have seen, and it has not been received by the religious leaders. It is hard to receive. So if I have told you of earthly things, and you do not believe, how can I tell you heavenly things? I believe your words. I just fear you may not have a chance to speak many more of them before you are silenced. I have come to do more than speak words, Nicodemus. More miracles? Yes. But even more than that. Do you remember when the children of Israel complained against God and against Moses in the wilderness of Paran? Yes. They wanted to return to Egypt and they cursed the manna that God sent them. And then? They were bitten by serpents and they were dying. But? But God made a way for them to be healed. Moses lifted the bronze serpent in the desert, and people only needed to look at it. So will the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Our people are not dying from snake bites. They're dying from taxation and oppression. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I did not come to deliver the people from Rome. Then from what? From sin from spiritual death. God loves the world in this way, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So this has nothing to do with Rome. It's all about Sin. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, Nicodemus. He sent him to save it through him. It's as simple as Moses' serpent on the pole. Whoever believes in him will not be condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Have you ever heard anything like this before? Shh. When I met Lilith, Mary, that day, I told my wife and my students I she was beyond human aid. Only God could have healed her. And then I saw her healed. And here you are. 
healer. Nicodemus had Jesus right in front of his eyes. He had seen the miracles, and yet he chose not to follow, at least in that moment. You and I, we have the Holy Spirit. And God moves, and people have been praying all week. And for some of you today, the Holy Spirit's already been speaking to your soul, saying, today's the day. Give it all to him. The Holy Spirit's been nudging you, pulling you, saying, don't wait any longer. And you're trying to ignore that voice. Quit ignoring that voice and just go all in. If you would, stand with me. We offer an invitation, a multitude of invitations here at the river. On my left side over here, if you want to come and kneel and just talk to God individually, maybe you need to pray for someone who's, who's a family member you love, you could come and, and have that conversation with God individually. And, and over here, maybe there's something that you want someone to pray with you about. Maybe there's a sin. Maybe there's a battle that you have. Come over here. You can kneel over here and pray and and someone will come pray with you. One of our pastors or deacons or ministers will come and pray with you on whatever that looks like. And in the back, we have a prayer room. And maybe you just need to pour your soul out. You need more time than a couple of minutes. And you just need to really have somebody to, to listen. That's what our prayer room in the back is for. And then I'll be in the front. 
And if you have never given your life to Christ and you want to kneel with me and say, Lord, I'm all in, then I'm here. We want you to have the same chance Nicodemus has to follow Jesus. Whatever he's telling you this morning, as the team plays, y'all come. Hey guys, thanks so much for checking us out online today. If you want more information about the church or things that's going on here, be sure to check out theriverCC.com or download our app and visit us there. Also, as we go through the Bible this year, we want to help keep you engaged on what's being read and talked about each week. To do that, we have a podcast called The Word This Week, which will recap each week's readings as well as have special guests who will talk about what God showed them that week. So be sure to check that out on all podcast streaming platforms. And again, thanks so much for checking us out online.